You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hi everyone, it's Paige Smathers. Thanks so much for being here. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at positive-nutrition.com slash podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever podcast app you use to listen to this podcast. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app. Search Nutrition Matters Podcast, click Reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. My name is Paige, and I'm your host. And as always, I'm excited you're here, and I'm also excited about this podcast because it is my last one for the year 2018. So uh, for those of you who might not already be aware, I am taking the month of November and December off from podcasting. Um, So if you're new to the podcast, feel free to go back into the archives and check out some some of the other conversations we've had through the years. Um, I'm just taking this break. It's been a long, a long few years of putting out uh, really regular content, and I'm just excited to sort of reevaluate and take a step back. And um, yeah, so I'm so grateful for all of you with your patience with that and all of you with the support that you've offered me over the years. So thanks for being amazing listeners. And, um, you know, don't forget about me. I'm pretty sure I'm coming back to podcasting. I'm open-minded to maybe I'll decide that, I, that I'm that i not, but I'm pretty sure I will. So um, yeah, keep in touch. Make sure you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, or if you don't like uh, following along there, you can also join my email list, which is just positive-nutrition.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom and then sign up there. Um, I don't really email very regularly right now, but that's kind of my goal is to get get on that and kind of connect with my subscribers a little bit better. So if you'd like to do that, feel free. Um, also, join us over on the Nutrition Matters podcast community on Facebook if you would like to join the conversation kind of more outside of the podcast episodes. And then, of course, uh, many of you probably are familiar, but I do have an online course called Positive Nutrition 101. And that is really geared towards anybody who is interested in the science of nutrition, kind of learning about gut health and learning about um, macronutrients and metabolism, learning about some of these topics that are really fascinating and, and interesting, but you'd like to kind of not have the dieting spins that are often put on those things. So these, this is the nutrition or the science of nutrition without the gimmicks. I'm really proud of this course, really proud of what we've put together. I co-teach it with Jesse Hoffman, who is like a week away from receiving her PhD at this point, which is so exciting. Um, so if you're interested in checking that out, go over to positive-nutrition.com and then click on the Academy button. It's a 12-lesson online course. It's about 10 hours of content, and we are really, really proud of what we've put together there. So check it out. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, I think that's about it. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for your kind words. Thank you for following along. Thank you for being amazing, positive, wonderful people to me. Um, It's so, so 
appreciated. And it's just, I, it's such an honor and privilege to be someone who puts out these little, these little podcasts into the world. And, um, I'm able to reach so many of you and, um, I'm able to connect with you in this way. I just feel really grateful for that. So I hope all of you have a wonderful holiday season. And I'm hoping that this podcast episode can kind of help you um, think through how you might be able to navigate the holidays that are coming up. I know everybody, or a lot of my clients at least, can get kind of nervous about the social situations, about the food stuff, about the the seeing family. Uh, All the things that come up this time of year can be so fun and wonderful, but also it can bring up a lot of concern or anxiety. So the goal of this podcast episode is to kind of have me provide the nutrition kind of point of view with these conversations. And then um, I invited Molly Barr on the podcast, who is a therapist, and she talks about the mental health side of all of this. So we're hoping that this can be a really good sort of resource for you to maybe listen to and keep in mind uh, as you navigate the holidays this year. And um, yeah, and maybe even come back to or share share with your friends and family because this can be such a fun time, but it can also be really challenging in a lot of different ways. So thank you for being here, and I hope you enjoy this podcast episode, and let's get into talking with Molly. Hi, Molly. Welcome to Nutrition Matters Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Woohoo! Hey, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. This is a joy, and I've been, I've been really wanting to have you on at some point, and when this topic came up, I was like, ooh, let's get Molly here, because I think this will be, be cool to kind of have you from like the therapy side, me from the nutrition side, kind of talking about how to navigate this tricky time of year we call the holidays here in the States. I'm not sure really if that's what other parts of the world call it, but that's our goal today is kind of to dive into how do we how do we navigate this tricky time of year? So before we get into that, Molly, do you want to take a minute and just introduce yourself to the listeners and help them get to know you? Sure. I am Molly Barr. I am a licensed mental health counselor. I have a private practice here in Haiti. We were actually stationed here for just a year, but uh, I previously was in Hawaii and had a private practice. I specialize in working with chronic dieting, eating disorders, disordered eating, anxiety, depression, trauma, all that stuff. Um, And so I do have a history of working with substance abuse, and I've always wanted to work with eating disorders, and so this is something that's been, um, I've been working on for a long time, and so I'm happy to be here. Hey, me too. So Haiti, what, what an interesting place to be. You've been there for a couple months now, is that right? That is correct. Yes, it's been an adventure. Yeah, I bet. Ah, do you is your practice mostly virtual or is it in person? It's in person. I have um, gotten permission to work with the embassy community, so it's a pretty specific community. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Molly, so every time this time of year rolls around and we're releasing this podcast on um, Halloween, but uh, many of my listeners will also know that I'm taking off the month of November and December 2018 from from releasing podcast episodes just to kind of take a little break. I've been releasing an episode every week for quite a while now. And so anyway, I'm taking this break and I thought, what a cool topic to leave everybody with for two months to hopefully share with friends and family um, during the holiday season 
where we kind of dive into how do you, how do you survive this time of year and maybe beyond surviving, like how do you thrive? How do you make it fun? How do you get through the tough times? How do you enjoy the beautiful, great times? So that's our goal today is to kind of talk about the food and family dynamics and uh, mental health components of this time of year. So you ready to take a stab at it? Oh yeah, I'm here for this. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So I think the biggest thing that I hear from my clients at least is just this general sort of fear and anxiety about seeing family. Um, a lot of what comes up too is concerns about just the constant diet talk this time of year. So to kind of uh, set the tone, I think it can be, I just want to say, I think it can be really confusing because uh, during the holidays, at least in the States, the culture around that is, you know, we all get really excited about candy and we get excited about special yummy sweets and treats. And we get excited about special foods that we don't eat other times of year of the year. And so there's this mixed message of like being so excited to enjoy this food together. But then while you're eating this food, it's like everybody can't help but just talk about how terrible this food is and how bad they're being and how they can't wait to like be quote good come January 1st, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like Halloween marks the beginning of two months of absolute sort of confusion and chaos and, and just lots of yucky feelings around food. And a lot of people just really struggle, especially when you've found intuitive eating, you're like, oh, why don't people in my life understand that food can be joyful and pleasurable and that's fine. Um, it can be a real struggle for people to be around folks who don't necessarily see food the same way. So I'm really interested to know what, it, what would be your sort of general advice for someone to get through all the diet talk this time of year? I like to first begin by thinking about what's going on here. So this is a form of bonding for a lot of people. And this is something we learned, you know, decades ago that we can bond over talking about our bodies and food and what we can and can't eat. And so I try to think of it as, you know, sometimes people are looking for connection. And so that gives me some clue into what's going on. It also gives me an idea of, well, maybe I could talk about something else that would also produce that form of connection. And so I also just need to remind myself, I don't need to join in in order to be a part of this group. Um, I also kind of joke about that there's really only a pretty short list of bad foods. So that would be foods that are moldy, foods you're allergic to, burnt food, unless you really like it, undercooked food. Sushi doesn't count in that category, in my opinion. <laughs> Mine either. <laughs> Poisoned food. You know, I, I really joke about that list of food, that there really isn't good and bad food. So those are some things that I just keep to myself before I decide what I do next. So I can try to reframe and normalize the tasty food, especially if we're eating the food and people are talking about, oh, this is like so bad and uh, I shouldn't be eating this. So I might jump in and say, oh, the cheese dip is really delicious or the meatballs really hit the spot. Um, you know, I always really look forward to the holiday tater tots or it felt so good to eat. I was getting so hungry. Um, or I might so just like keep it, totally frame it as I'm having... Yeah, keep it positive and just kind of reframe that this is 
a normal thing that we're just eating and spending time together. And I might just say, I'm having so much fun. It's so great to spend time with you all. And don't you think that would throw people off? They'd be like, whoa, what do you mean? Like, why aren't you commiserating with us about how bad we're being? You know, that might kind of cause people to think a little bit, but, but in a really non-threatening way. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I loved what you said, Molly, about how thinking about what the purpose of commiserating about food might be for people and just realizing for a lot of people, it's just like talking about the weather. It's like, okay, we can't talk about politics. We can't talk about religion. And so since our whole family's together, what better topic than to talk about food and how bad it is, right? Like it's almost, it feels safe to people. Yeah. And I, and it might not feel safe to people listening. We're like, no, but I don't want, I don't want people to do that. But I think recognizing where they're coming from, like, I'm, I'm really just trying to connect with you. I'm really just trying to bond. And this is a, what I've been taught and seen my whole life. And then also B, this is a topic that feels safer than some other topics that don't feel quite as safe. And I love your idea of just saying, trying to recognize what the purpose is and then seeing if you can accomplish that in other ways. Like, tell me about what you're learning about right now, or tell me about what's really important to you, or tell me about your job or your kids, or, you know, what's, what's going on in your life. I want to hear, you know, more about this cool thing you're doing because really that's what the point of a lot of diet talk is, is to kind of connect like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love the, I consider it like a distraction where I would randomly throw in, Oh wait, did I tell you what happened last week at work? Or Oh, did you finally see that Lady Gaga movie? Like I would just throw in as if, oh, this just popped in my head. Let's just completely get off this subject. (laughs) Yeah. So another thing that I think people struggle with is, I I feel like this is especially true when you're new to intuitive eating or you're new to kind of rejecting dieting. You really, you almost want to kind of evangelize for lack of a better word you want to evangelize that perspective and you want to almost convert your family mm-hmm. um, you're like hey guys I need you to sit down and I need to explain what I'm doing with food and first of all it can be very difficult to explain the complexity and the nuance and all of the context of why you're making the choices you are around food and it's really hard to reiterate that to a bunch of people who might be coming from a completely different angle because it's so countercultural, but then it also can feel kind of threatening, right? Like folks who are new to, are, are new to hearing this might be like threatened by this idea of not dieting. And so a lot of times my clients will say, you know, I tried to explain this to my best friend or my family and they just looked at me like I was crazy or like looked at me with a blank stare and now I'm so discouraged and I just don't even want to hang out with them because this was such a terrible experience. So along the lines of like diet talk, but also just trying to, ex- trying to find yourself like feeling like you're trying to get validation from your family or trying to be understood by, your, by people around you with what you're doing with food. What, what would you say to that? You know what? I am, I'll consider myself a professional and I, I have a hard time explaining it too. So First of all, let's give you some compassion for that. This is really hard to talk about. If, if any of you guys know how thick the intuitive eating book is, you'll know that it's not as simple as explaining it in, in two sentences. And, and a lot of people aren't ready to hear that message. So keep that in mind. You can 
you know, throw out a blurb of what it is, but you might have to give yourself permission to be okay with people not understanding or agreeing with what you're doing. Yeah. And I also think about how, how many layers of difficulty are added on. If you happen to be a person of size, trying to explain this to your family, uh, you're probably more likely going to be met with blank stares than someone in a smaller body who's explaining this to their family. Right. Oh, that's Uh, so true. Yeah. So, so really, I don't know. I always tell my clients like, be careful with that one. Be careful with, with, really your intentions around trying to explain what you're doing. And I'm not saying don't share, but at the same time, be careful because uh, you might have some, some things to kind of cope with and deal with on top of trying to learn about this perspective after trying to explain it and being met with blank stares or even being met with anger or, you know, negativity. Uh, that that could potentially compound the difficulty that you experience trying to implement this stuff. So mm-hmm. the, truthfully, you can eat around people and not have to kind of explain your philosophy behind food. You could just make it about other things. Um, and that's not to say it's wrong to try to explain, but at the same time, just kind of recognize that it is a human need to feel understood and validated and you know to feel like people get you but at the same time it's a huge ask in this culture around food and dieting and sometimes it's helpful to just kind of put that on the back burner and talk about other things I completely agree I don't think we have to justify what we're doing with our bodies and with food to anybody so we really don't even have to talk about it and that's part of why it's important to form uh, your own support system of people. So you, you can talk to somebody about it. Maybe it just might not be your friends and family. Yeah, very true. And the holidays bring up more opportunities than usual to get together with family that, you know, might see the world a little bit differently than you do. And, and so, yeah, this can bring up a lot of that stuff for people, but yeah, it's a good point. You can also choose your own sort of family or support system of people that you choose to spend time with. Um, Whereas family, maybe you don't always get to choose who's in, <laughs> who's in your family. Um, yeah, so you can opt out of having conversations about dieting. You can do some internal work to try to look at why you want to explain your point of view. You can change the subject. You can pop in questions about stuff that you'd prefer to talk about to connect with people. Um, you can also, you know, take deep breaths and kind of remove yourself from the situation. If you just, if it's just a terrible conversation about dieting that you just don't want to be a part of, like you don't necessarily have to engage. Um, Anything else you'd add to that idea of that fear of diet talk around this time of year? What I'm thinking about is how, you know, you, you can still like someone, you can still love someone and not agree with everything they think and do. So keeping that in mind too. Huge. Huge. Separating people's identities from their ideas is something I I tell my clients all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think also just, I would just add as in summary about this idea of diet talk being tough, like you don't have to believe everything that someone else says about what they're dieting either. And you, you can recognize like other people are in their own journeys and in their own 
paths with food and dieting and, and nutrition and eating. And if you're not clear on what your own truth is to come back to, you might want to consider kind of journaling about that or really looking inward, like what, what is my truth around nutrition and what can I come back to when, when someone else is doing something different? What can I ground myself in? Um, and if you don't know what that is, maybe take some time to do that before you head into uh, one of those family situations where, where it can be really tough. That's perfect because really that's helping you stay connected to your, your true self for ultimate belonging. So writing down what's your mission statement, what's your purpose here, what are your current values? And here's where I love having phones because we all have phones on us is you can have it in your phone or you can take a picture of your mission statement. So it, when you need to pull it up, you can pull it up and read it and just kind of stay firm in who you really are. Okay. So another thing that comes up a lot during the holiday season is a lot of all or nothing thinking. So this is definitely something that people struggle with all throughout the year. Uh, but this seems to be especially difficult for folks during this time of year, especially with food. Um, it's kind of like, well, I've already had Halloween, so might as well just wait till January 1st, you know, and we do this kind of bizarre, bizarre all or nothing stuff. So as a therapist, I'm really interested to know, like, what would be your advice for navigating all or nothing thinking during the holiday season? This is where mindfulness comes in and really being mindful of what are my thoughts? Where is this perfectionist mindset really popping up? So you're really talking about black and white, perfect failure type of thinking that leads to eating. And so really looking for the gray area here because nothing is going to be so all or nothing. So what I see happens a lot is how that future restriction. So in January, we're going to restrict. We're going to do the whole 30. We're going to do whatever. So that's going to also set us up to go a little crazy in December. So really paying attention to where am I thinking black and white thoughts and what is really in the middle there. I love that idea of, of setting yourself up for lots of chaos right now when you have promised yourself or committed to future restriction. It doesn't take, you know, we often say restriction leads to binging. A lot of people think that that only means, well, if I, that, that means that if I don't eat breakfast or lunch, then I'll binge in the evening. And, and that's true in a lot of cases, but also it's really interesting to look at. You don't even need to be currently restricting to be seeing the effects of restriction, future restriction, just that knowledge in your head that on January 1st, you're going to do X, Y, and Z restriction can actually lead to current binging. Isn't that interesting? So interesting. Yes. Yeah. So that's another thing to keep in mind is it doesn't need to be all or nothing. You know, you, you get to, you deserve, you should, you can, you have permission to whatever words you want to use. You, you get to enjoy these yummy, tasty foods in this beautiful time of year that we all look forward to with our family and with food it, it doesn't need to be all or nothing. You can still eat fruits and veggies this time of year too. And you can also enjoy cookies and cakes, you know? Mm -hmm. You bring up a point of having this food that's on a pedestal when really 
I mean, you can eat mashed potatoes any day of the year. It doesn't have to be just on these holidays. Yeah. And sometimes even planning to make your favorite holiday food like in February or something so that it doesn't pull up this, this feeling of, well, this is the one time of year I get to eat this. So I got to get it all in now. Reminding yourself like, wait a minute, I can make this super special um, sweet treat that I love during, you know, the holiday season. I can make that again, you know, in a, another time of the year. In fact, maybe I'll plan it. I'll put it on my calendar. Or if it's something as simple as mashed potatoes being like, yeah, sometime during the month of, of January, I will have mashed potatoes again. Like it doesn't need to be this, um, yeah, this all or nothing thing. Mm -hmm. So you talked about this gray area and I think that that's maybe a really interesting and important point to hit on here. I see the gray area with nutrition being just simply just kind of what needs to happen. Like if, if all year round you have full permission to enjoy the foods that you love and to, um, you know, not feel restricted, not feel deprived. You're operating in this gray space where you're not all in and you're not completely all out. You're just finding this groove, this comfortable groove. And then what happens is then when you get to Halloween or you get to Thanksgiving or you get to these different holidays throughout this time of year, it doesn't feel all that different, right? Yeah, absolutely. It can just be, it can just be what it is. It's like, oh, well, I, other times of year, I might enjoy a snow cone. And since it's cold this time of year, I'm enjoying, you know, this other thing with my family by the fire, opening gifts or something like that. So, so yeah, that's, that's another reason for kind of working on all or nothing thinking all throughout the year is then the holiday season doesn't need to feel like a completely different time of year with food. I completely agree. I'm just thinking I still have a pack of peeps in our cupboard right now and Easter candy. It's like that used to be, you know, you, you did all that, that Easter Sunday. Right. And now that there's permission to eat, you know, marshmallows, whenever, you know, it's not going to be that exciting. You know, I have something similar in my pantry right now. We, uh, we brought s'mores stuff to, um, up to visit a friend and we roasted s'mores and we brought those little like mint, thin mint stuff, not Girl Scouts, but the other kind anyway. And we just, we have those in the back of our pantry. Um, we were eating them with the marshmallows, which by the way, that is a great combo. You should try it. Ooh. So good. Mm -hmm. Sticking the thin mint inside the hot marshmallow. Yes. Um, yeah, we, we have that in the back of our pantry right now too, just because it was like, well, that was really good when we had it, but no one's really cared about it since, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. So I encourage anyone and everyone, no matter what time of year it is, to consider kind of practicing this idea of permission around food specifically to kind of combat this all or nothing thinking. And then just to observe how, how intuitive and kind of easy is it? Maybe not the right word, but just kind of how effortless it can feel to, to really be able to determine like, what do I want to have right now? And how much do I want to have? That becomes so much easier when your brain isn't fixated on this future restriction. Absolutely. I was also thinking about uh, some of these foods that we might have connections to, different types of connections with. So some questions I would ask around that type of food is, 
you know, I want to more, I want to know more about what is your connection you have with this food? What is your memory with it? And who was around at that time? What were you experiencing then that you really want now? So those are, that's going to help you get to some deeper understanding of what's going on here with that food. Oh my gosh, because food is so powerful to do all of those things, like to bring us back to a really fun time of our life or to connect us to a person who has passed away. And yeah, sometimes we're just, we're so unaware of, of what this food is for us. And we, if we can connect to that, then we might be able to understand what that food is doing for us more so than just kind of being more robotic about eating it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So is there anything else you'd say about all or nothing thinking? Hmm. I was kind of thinking about how it relates to body image. Do you want to get into that? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So there's, you know, the all or nothing, like thin or fat, pretty ugly, whatever it might be. I just want to throw out there that, you know, we might not be able to 100% get rid of negative body image. You know, even the experts are going to have negative body image thoughts. That's completely normal. So let's not kind of fall down the rabbit hole if we start to have some negative thoughts. We just get better at responding to it. So it doesn't have to ruin your day. So number one, let's just make sure that we're keeping it a dialogue and not a monologue. So when those thoughts pop in, you need to be able to respond to them with your healthy self. What would, uh, what would you say to a child or your best friend who is having that thought? And we want to make sure that that healthy self finishes the dialogue. Um, and that's going to help you learn how to respond to it. I love uh, that. So, so the idea of a dialogue, not a monologue, meaning like, don't just, don't just talk at yourself, like really try to kind of look deeper at those thoughts and make it more of a conversation and come back with like, well, wait a minute, what about this? And really explore it more than just being like, boom, I thought this, therefore it is true. Exactly. Yes. And we can't take all of our thoughts seriously. So we need to challenge them. Just because you think it doesn't make it true. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah, that's such a great point. And a lot of like the food stuff this time of year brings up a lot of the body image stuff too, where it's like, oh my gosh, did you see how many Christmas cookies I ate yesterday? Like, of course, and then you, then that can lead to some of these body image thoughts that can lead to all kinds of other, uh, other, you know, consequences of that thinking. And so I love that idea of kind of keeping it at that dialogue level rather than just a monologue. That's awesome. One of my other favorite questions to ask is what would your 99 year old self tell you to do? Cause that person is wise and they have been through a lot. So they're going to give you some really good advice. And, and just another layer to that is what would your 99 year old self appreciate about your current body? Oh, that's such a good thought. I love that. I love it. Okay. So all or nothing thinking, this is something that both, both you and I and the work we do, we see all year round, but I think it definitely comes up pretty fiercely this time, this time of year. Um, and I think if you can kind of navigate this all or nothing thinking during the holidays, then you should really feel confident that you, you, can, you can do it anytime. You know, this is, this is probably hardest this time of year. Oh, yeah. These are the Olympics. <laughs> so you can do it now. You can do it all year round. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. 
Okay, here's another concern that comes up a lot, and I would love to hear your thoughts. So a lot of my clients will tell me how nervous they feel when they're anticipating these family gatherings. Um, And just uh, a lot of it is like stuff we've already said where they're concerned about people not understanding their approach to food. But also above and beyond that, I think what, what a lot of people get really concerned about is just the judgment about their bodies. There is so much, you know, going and seeing your mom, you haven't seen her for months and she looks you up and down and makes a comment about weight gain or weight loss or, you know, whatever she does. Um, This can really kind of tailspin people just even considering the thought of having to deal with this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. First of all, let's just start with a lot of compassion that it is so hard because these are the people who are supposed to love us unconditionally, no matter what we look like. And so to hear that from someone we love, it is so hard. It's challenging because it's completely out of our control. It doesn't matter what you do, what you say, what you look like, how much weight you lose or gain or what, or stay the same. You cannot change what someone says or thinks about you. And I think that that's really hard for us to sit with. So then the other part of that is the question isn't so much what do they think of my eating or my body or what I'm doing with my life. What do I think about it? We so often, we're we're very sensitive beings typically. So first of all, it's not a bad thing. We need sensitive people now more than ever. Um, But we need to get more attuned to our own thoughts and feelings and opinions. And we need to value them because we're often too attuned to other people's thoughts, feelings, and opinions, and we overvalue them. So really turning it back to you, what do I think about this? That is so simple, but so powerful. Mm -hmm. Like, wait a minute, what's my opinion about this? Mm -hmm. Do I think that this is okay? Do I, am I really proud of the work I've done with body image and with food and with my relationships with those things. And if the answer is like, yeah, I, I, I've worked hard and I'm proud of that. I thought, oh, I love that. It's so simple, but it, it's just such a big deal. I'm not going to say it doesn't hurt to still hear those thoughts or, you know, people's opinions. It's still oh, going to hurt. Of course. But yeah, bring it back to your mission statement. Pull out your phone. What'd you say? <laughs> what are your values? That's awesome. Um, so what do you like what on a very practical level what could a person do if they come home for thanksgiving and they haven't seen their family for a while and everybody's commenting on some weight shift that they've had like what could that person do like so you said mentally and internally they can come back to like how what do i think about this but what like Sometimes just like the sheer awkwardness of the social interaction is like enough to just make you want to cringe. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? I have a lot of thoughts about assertiveness. And again, it is so hard, especially with a drive-by comment like that. I, you know, we're not always prepared to say something in that moment. So sometimes we do need to collect our thoughts and be assertive with that person later. Or, you know, right away you could say, okay, that wasn't okay. You know, it's good to see you too. Something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, um, I have a, 
you know, we could talk a bit about assertiveness and how, how tough that is because, you know, families are our first school. They teach us how to talk and how to communicate. So I often ask my clients, you know, what grade would you give your family for communication? Which is always kind of a funny question because, you know, it's usually mm-hmm. like a D or an F. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I can so, totally see that. We never really learned how to communicate like this. And it's hard. It's really hard to be assertive. Um, so it's hard to be open and honest and respectful and let someone know how their behavior has affected your feelings. And especially if you come from a family that doesn't talk about their feelings. So it's going to be extra hard. So Molly, I'm wondering, um, I, I love to observe people and I love to just kind of like sit back and watch how people interact with each other and just kind of try to figure people out. And one thing I've picked up on in my life is just how much I am put at ease when I'm around someone who I can tell like has has confidence and has a good like sense of like I feel comfortable in my own skin and I know that's like a huge ask um, of people yeah but I'm wondering like I guess what I'm trying to say is I think that sometimes we and this is not to blame the victim but sometimes like we get treated sort of similarly to what we're putting out there energy wise so if like we're putting out there like uh, I'm so apologetic and like, I'm sorry I'm here and I'm sorry I'm taking up space. Like, it's almost like people can pick up on that. And then sometimes it seems like you, people, people say those kinds of things to you. Whereas, you know, even same exact person, same exact body, if they can walk into a space and, and at least try to just kind of say, like, hold themselves high and say, look, here I am. And I'm not apologizing for it. I almost wonder if that sort of sets the tone for like, your comments about my body aren't, aren't welcome. How do you feel about that? I'm open to being off on that. Oh, I dig that. I do believe that there's an element that we teach people how we, how to be treated in a sense. I mean, that also kind of sounds like I'm blaming the victim, but um, yeah, if you come in with uh, confidence and assertiveness and you are commenting on people's, inner qualities, you know, if you are modeling to others how to communicate to me, then, you know, we hope that they might mirror that, I think is what you're also trying to get at. Exactly. And, you know, here's where I'm coming from. I had a friend a couple months ago say, um, Paige, how do you do it? You're just like, you're just so comfortable with who you are and you're so unapologetic. And I was like, really? That is so interesting that that's what I'm, what you're getting from me. Um, because I don't always, I don't feel that way inside a lot, but, but it was interesting that comment she made to me has kind of helped boost my confidence where I'm like, okay, even if I don't feel confident, it seems like an important thing to try to put out there and not in an inauthentic way, but in just like a, all right, I'm going to hold my head high and I'm not going to apologize for who I am. Um, I'm going to be seen and heard and I'm going to be proud of that. I, I think that then that sends the message to people that you're comfortable with who you are and therefore no need to nitpick at this or that aspect of my body or the way I'm eating or, or that type of thing. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And what a great example of what a good compliment is to somebody rather than saying, oh, I love your, I don't know your body looks great or whatever. I don't know. Some sort of body appearance type of comment. 
Yeah. It was a really nice compliment and it's made me, it's really made me think like, wow, that's so interesting. And then I've noticed that in other people and just how much that, that makes me feel like, oh, I'm so glad that they are comfortable in their skin, which makes me comfortable to be around them, which makes it so that we can just get down to cool conversation and things that matter rather than let's reassure each other all the time that we look okay, you know? Yeah. Good point. <laughs> oh, anyway. Okay. So I just want to say too, that this family gathering stuff and being nervous about what, what people are going to say or what people are going to think is so, so real. This is so difficult. Um, but I, I love these themes of like, um, trying to kind of think about what, what do you think about these things and really feeling grounded and comfortable that how you feel about this is valid, even more valid than how other people think about it. And, and to kind of be grounded in that seems like a really cool idea Mm -hmm. Um, as well as kind of trying to, trying to hold your head up high and trying to kind of be confident and assertive in those situations. What, what's your thought about, faking it till you make it like how do you feel about that idea what if someone doesn't feel confident but they're like maybe I could just try to be confident um how does that all how does that all jive with you and this idea of authenticity how do you feel about that oh that's a good question because I'm automatically going into it's hard to get confident without practicing so I think there's a huge element of kind of faking it until you make it and practicing I statements, you know, this is actually where visualization is going to be key here. You know, just like the Olympic athletes, they visualize uh, scoring the goal or you know, making the perfect dive or whatever, because you're more likely to follow through and complete the task. Well, if you have visualized it, so you know, starting now, you can start visualizing, how am I going to have this conversation? What am I going to say to, to my parents if they comment on my body again? And so that's going to help you kind of formulate, what am I going to say? How am I going to handle this? And then you love that. Yeah, I love that. And you know, what's so beautiful about that is most of what we experience when we get together in these social situations, whether it's with friends or family, most of it is predictable, right? Like we've been there, we've done that. We know what comments come our way. We know how we feel. We know what we struggle with. We know which thoughts pop up in our own, our own heads, And so there is this value of like, all right, just take a minute to kind of premeditate, to visualize, to really think about what am I going to encounter in that situation and how am I going to handle it? And then what's going to pop up for me? And then how am I going to handle that thought? And then what topics can I bring up or things can I say when people want to start talking about dieting? That is a huge, huge, huge point. Visualization, I think, is like, if you take nothing else from this, you can realize, right? I think that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Awesome. And then we can practice our I statements or we can visualize practicing our I statements. How am I going to say this? Because we're not used to talking like that. Sometimes we let this stuff just pile up. So we are passive. We don't say anything. And then we just erupt and we basically scream, you're ruining my life. When that's not really what we mean to say. So practicing things like when you say comments like that about my body, I feel sad. I feel unlovable. It makes me want to engage in, you know, food behaviors and just practicing. What do I want to say? So they understand that what they're 
their behavior or what they're saying is doing is how it's affecting me, how it's affecting my feelings. I love that. And you know what? It feels so scary and confrontational to tell someone that, but you're right. If you don't, if you don't talk about how you're feeling and what someone's comments are, are, um, which feelings are arising in you based on people's comments, it will erupt and it will erupt in, in the way that you probably don't want it to, to erupt or sound or to come off that way. And so there is so much value in kind of saying, all right, this conversation is tough. It's not easy to express my feelings or to come off this assertive. I'm not used to it. It's not really how I normally engage, but there's usually a way to have a difficult conversation if you approach it from, from like a loving perspective. And if you try to meet them where they are, and a lot of times in difficult conversations I've had, I've tried to recognize the other person's intention and say, you know what? I know you love me and I know you want to show me that. And I, I think for you, you think that saying this about my body is an expression of love and concern, but here's how it comes off to me. And here's a different way that you could talk to me that can help me feel loved. Or here's a different way you can support me or engage with me where I just really feel loved and safe and secure. And I don't, I don't know very many people who wouldn't say, Oh, thanks so much for helping me like learn how to love you better. You know, I mean, it's a tough thing to say, but it's also, I think it's not as hard as, as we make it. It's not as hard as keeping it in and then bursting out at people and making them really angry. Yeah. And it's hard. It's scary to do. I like how you approached it with a lot of compassion that this is hard. We're not used to this. Um, And so I think it also, if we can give ourselves permission to just know that we're going to be a little clumsy with it, just as their statement was a little clumsy, and that's okay. We're not going to be perfect communicators, especially if we're just starting to be assertive with people. Oh, that's a good point. And, And again, like a lot of times, folks who struggle with food and body image are just the most um, passionate, driven, motivating people kind of maybe identify more toward the perfectionist side of things. And so it's always a good reminder to, to, to say like, you don't need to be perfect at your efforts with assertiveness or perfect at your ability to kind of help people learn how to treat you. This is going to be messy and clumsy. I love that. It's a good. Oh reminder. yeah. That's black and white thinking too, right? Like, Oh, I have to say this perfectly and it's, it has to go well and they have to react right. And then it's okay. And if not, I failed. It's like, we've forgotten that we can still repair. There's still, you can always come back to this conversation and, and make it better. Love it. Love it. Okay, so another thought that I had about what can make this time of year particularly tough for people, and this one isn't food-related, so I want you to mostly talk about this, is um, a lot of times the holidays just bring up um, sadness or a sense of loss or even a sense of maybe loneliness or regret or guilt or, you know, lots of lots of times if your family situation or if you're... Um, loved one's situation isn't maybe picture perfect, this time of year can bring up a lot of, of sadness or negativity or difficult emotions. So I, I'd love to hear what your thoughts would be for navigating that. If, if I can 
give you two concepts to remember. <laughs> it's compassion and curiosity. So no matter what you're feeling right now, it's completely normal. When I have a client who comes in and they feel bad for feeling sad about something, I usually tell them, you know what, I'd be kind of worried if you didn't feel this way. You know, that's totally normal to feel sad about, um, you know, if there was a death in the family and they're not here during this time. It's really hard. But then at the same time, if you're not having sad feelings, that doesn't mean you're a sociopath either. You know, you're just in a different place in your grief and that's completely fine. And keep in mind, maybe it's not the holidays. Maybe you're going to feel a lot more emotional when it's your wedding or when you have a baby or you get to the age at which your loved one died. I mean, we're all so different. So have some compassion, extend some kindness and understanding for yourself. Next, I would say, so let's get curious with this. Why, why is this so hard? And I wonder if a lot of it comes down to the expectations that either we've developed or our culture has developed around the holidays. Um, so there's these it's like picture perfect holidays. This is what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to be so lovely. But what we know about expectations is that they're premeditated, premeditated resentments. So we're basically setting ourselves up for sadness and hurt and pain. So again, we need to be kind with ourselves and ask, I mean, is this even realistic? What we're trying to set up in our mind of what the holidays are supposed to be like, we can acknowledge that maybe the holidays aren't going to go exactly how we thought they were going to go and that's okay. But really, what can I do instead? Um, are there new traditions that we can engage in? How can I honor that loved one? If we're talking about the loss of a loved one, what's something special we can do to honor that person that's not here? Oh, I love that. So creating new traditions, honoring, honoring that feeling or that sense of sadness in, in some way that feels meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. I also wonder... Um, you know, this time of year for me is, is, is tough just weather wise and darkness wise. Like it's just, I, I try to have a positive attitude about winter, but for me, I'm like, ah, I just love the sun. I'm just a summer person. Um, so I live in Salt Lake city, Utah, and, uh, it, it gets dark really late in the morning and then it gets dark really early in the evening and it's freezing cold and it, you just kind of stay cooped up in your house and it can kind of be depressing even if you're, you're fine. Like even if life is, life is just fine, like just sometimes the weather can, can kind of create some difficulties. So I, I make a conscious effort to think, okay, how can I like literally get outside of these walls and myself and um, like find somebody to serve or um, find somebody in need and go and visit them or think of someone else who might be struggling this time of year and make an effort to brighten their day. I know that always makes me feel so, so, so much better. Yeah, we do. I come from Minnesota, so I completely understand. I go into hibernation mode. I don't yeah. want to leave the house. <laughs> it's hibernation <laughs> mode. <laughs> totally. <laughs> So it's hard when we don't have the normal self-care activities that we had in other seasons, like going for a walk and feeling the sunshine on our skin, stuff like that. So it's really trying to get in tune with what do I need right now and what might that look like because those things are not available to us right now. So we have to get a little creative on that one. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like sometimes it's, 
it's the same type of need, but you can just adapt it, right? So if, if getting your blood flowing feels really good, but you just can't go outside because there's feet, feet of snow out there, you know, <laughs> yeah. like turning on the music and just dancing or, you know, moving your body in a fun way where you still get that same benefit of like, whew, I, I, you know, got my wiggles out or whatever. I was able to dance a little bit, move. That felt good. Um, kind of getting creative, like you said, with, with what your needs are, because chances are like, it's at least for me, when it comes down to struggling, um, in whatever way, a lot of times I, I like to look at, okay, how's my sleep? How's my nutrition? How's my stress? Mm-hmm. Like kind of looking at some of those basic levels of self-care, like how am I doing with all that stuff? And, and nine times out of 10, it's like, oh yeah, I have been not sleeping very well or, oh man, it has been a while since I've eaten a veggie, <laughs> you know? And so kind of considering those things too. Yeah, that's a great point. Going back to my basic needs, are they being met right now? Yeah. And what do I need to work on? Yeah. So I, I know that um, you probably have some really good ideas for skills for navigating the holiday season. Maybe, um, do you have any, do you have anything to kind of let us know other than what we've already said? I have, so I have a lot of skills to start practicing now. And then I have a few for like right before your event, during the event and after the event. So why don't we jump in with what are some things to start practicing now? So there's diaphragmatic breathing, which is basically where you're taking deep breaths in and you're allowing your stomach to expand. I even imagine a balloon blowing up inside my stomach. So that's going to help send signals to your body that you're okay. And you're going to, you can also remind yourself right now, I'm okay. I'm safe. And we start practicing that now. So it's, we get that muscle memory basically. So when we really need to relax, uh, things are getting tense. There's a lot of stress in the room. We can come back to the diaphragmatic breathing. So we can kind of get a, a hold of, um, you know, we have that fight or flight feeling and the breathing can help us relax. Some other parts of that is practicing guided meditation. Have you ever searched the YouTube channels for guided meditation? Not YouTube. Yeah, it's actually, it's amazing. You know, you just YouTube guided meditation. There is a ton of different options. And so that's something that you can get into the practice of. I'm not going to say do it every day. I mean, just do it as often as you can remember. But obviously, it's best to get into a practice of starting these guided meditations. And I say that because a lot of people who haven't started meditating, they think it's kind of weird. They don't really know what to do. They don't know what it is. So it's really helpful to have somebody guide you through the process. Somebody who's saying, okay, take, take a deep breath in. What do you notice? There might even be uh, guided imagery. So it'll, you know, notice the clouds in the sky. You know, I mean, I know it sounds kind of woo-woo, but um, getting into a practice of guided meditation now is going to help you later. So you can access, access that when you really need it. I love that. There is, mindfulness is going to be key here. I always go back to mindfulness. Uh, my, the way I think about it is that mindfulness is really just non-judgmental, curious awareness. So what is going on right now? Uh, connecting with the way that things are. This is going to help you alleviate some of these 
symptoms of depression and anxiety. It helps with disordered eating. Um, it's a form of meditation. Uh, part of why I say let's try some guided meditation is it helps to start to adopt the language. So it'll say you know, things like tune in to your body. What are you noticing? And I think that just using words like that, observing, what do you observe? That that helps train us to look at that. So, okay, what am I noticing in my body right now? What feeling am I experiencing right now? Where do I notice any tension in my body? Do I need to lower my shoulders? How can I create some space for that feeling? Um, and then we're really not trying to change any kind of thoughts or feelings we have, we're having. We're just allowing it to be there. We're allowing it to pass. We might just notice some negative thoughts and feelings and we're going to allow them to uh, be there. Kind of like a, a leaf floating in the stream or the clouds passing in the sky. <laughs> um, because if we're trying to resist, resist these thoughts and feelings, they're going to end up staying there. That's, that's when we start to feel and experience really like the uncomfortable feelings and that they don't really go anywhere. Um, That's a beautiful thought. I love that. And again, like you said, something to practice right now in preparation for those higher emotion times where you can really, because you've practiced it, then you have that skill kind of in your tool belt ready to go when you need it. Yeah. I'm even reflecting on what I just said. And I'm thinking of my former self who had never heard of it before. And I would be rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> so um, check it out. It's one of the key skills that we can really practice. Um, and yeah, anyways, it can be really helpful. Um, so some other kind of skills we can do to practice um, relaxation is something called acupressure breathing. So what you'll do is, you know, the, the muscle between your thumb and your pointer finger, you know, the, there's like a pad right there. So what you can do is you can start massaging that, padding that muscle. And you can play around with that. Some people like their thumb on top of their hands. Some people like it on their, the inside of their palm. This is a pressure point. And you'll notice that when you massage it, you will become a little bit more relaxed. And add some breathing to it. Take some deep breaths in. Try the other side. See what feels good to you. What I like about this is you can do this and nobody will notice. <laughs> so you can do that under the table. You can do it when you're giving a speech. No one's really going to notice that. So that's kind of like a sly, instant uh, tension reliever. Yeah. You got to be breathing. So, <laughs> so other than that, they won't breathe. Yeah, that's awesome. Another one people like is the butterfly hug breathing. So, how do I explain this? So, you know how you can make a butterfly with your hands? You intertwine your thumbs and you kind of pretend you, your fingers are a butterfly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, you're going to do that. And then you're going to put, place your fingers right under your collarbone. And that's another. Uh, pressure point that you can start to massage and just play with that. Notice how that feels. Some people like to just do the right side and then the left side and they switch back and forth. That can be really calming. Now that might be kind of weird if you whip that out at dinner, but <laughs> <laughs> 
if that's something that really relaxes you, that might be something that, you know, you take a time out, go to the bathroom, go to another room when you really need to, and you do the butterfly hug. That's awesome. So what are some things you said, you said there are some things people can do beforehand. Do you have ideas for like during and after? Yes. Okay. Before this is where you do therapy and you meet with your dietitian. So that's going to help you prepare. You're going to have an action plan. So um, I also want to plug that this is definitely the time to get into therapy. December happens to be kind of a lull. And then in January, you know, new year, new me, you know, people come in and there might not be enough space. You might run into the problem of, you know, not being able to see a therapist. So this is a time to come in, uh, get started, get established. And of course, meet with your dietitian. So right before the event, one of my favorite things is to channel my inner Beyonce. And Paige was able to I witnessed that. that today, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> she is a power. <laughs> she is a higher power. So anyway, so I just mean, you know, throw on some Beyonce, dance around. If Beyonce is not your thing, you know, maybe you need to watch uh, Lady Gaga's Super Bowl performance, or I think Justin Timberlake had a really good performance. It's hard to not put on music like that and, and not start to feel confident. So whatever feels good to you, you can make a playlist of fun, upbeat music, uh, whatever makes you feel confident. So when you're driving to the event, listen to that music. If you need to go for a mindful walk in the middle, listen to that music. But for some of us, if we're going to go into a chaotic experience, we might need to really simmer down. And so like light a candle, uh, focus on some of the guided meditations or just meditating. Um, I actually like to put on uh, lotion on my hands. You can also bring a little, like a handheld bottle of lotion to the event with you. Uh, people love this stress relief. Um, lotion from Bath and Body Works. So how you'd use that is when you really are feeling uh, distressed, you can smell your hand or you can pull out the bottle of lotion and that can, that aromatherapy can really help relax you in the moment. Other people like to do some stretching, do some yoga. Most of all, just be gentle with yourself. This is, it's really challenging. It is challenging. This is, yeah, like you said, this is like, the Olympics <laughs> of challenging social and food situations and body, some body image situations sometimes. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that pretty much every question I've asked you today, you're like, let's start with being compassionate and recognizing this is normal and there's nothing wrong with you for struggling with this. This is, this is okay. I think that's such a healthy place to, to begin any conversation about like what you should do next or, what, you know, yeah, like what action steps to take. It's like, well, first start off with being kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. And same with, so during the event, so being kind to yourself is noticing when you need to take a break and giving yourself permission to do that, to go off to another room, to go on a mindful walk. This is where you can phone a friend. <laughs> um, Obviously, try to schedule that ahead of time to make sure that you are mindful and respectful of other people's holidays. But yeah, so if you can text, call, Marco Polo, your friend. Uh, I have a friend who, when she gets 
overwhelmed, she decides to scroll the hashtag pandemonium. And I mean, like, panda bear, apparently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's something you can just do at the table, too, is you can, you know, find, um, maybe you have a bunch of different, like, animal accounts, whatever is going to help you kind of distract Puppies from. or, oh, like, yeah. tiny teacup uh, pigs. <laughs> Looking at videos of, like, I, okay, one time, my kids always ask me for videos of, um, of little puppies and like little animals. And one time I was just in an especially emotional place and I was just like bawling looking at these tiny puppies. Uh, sometimes you just need a good cry about puppies, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <sighs> okay. This is awesome. And then what about, what about afterward? I'm a really big fan of YouTube karaoke and just dancing it out. So I didn't know this before. You can just find, uh, you know, find whatever song you want to sing and you just type in karaoke at the end and they'll have the lyrics, they'll have video. It just kind of gets you outside of yourself. <laughs> it's hard to not have fun doing that. Oh, I love um, that. Have some, have some funny shows, movies, stand up, something to watch, do something nice for yourself. Schedule a therapy session. Take a bath. Yes talk to someone, right? Like talk to a friend. For me, that's always so helpful if I've had something challenging just to say, all right, I need to tell someone about this. And then for some reason, just verbalizing it makes it, makes it less overwhelming as when it's just swimming around in my head. Oh, that's so true. That's probably my number one. I got to let it out. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, okay, well, whatever. That wasn't fun, but tomorrow's a new day, you know, whereas when I don't talk about it, then it's just, it gets like a bigger and bigger and bigger deal. Yeah. You survived. It's going to pass. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, this is lovely. Is there anything else that we've, we've missed on or kind of didn't talk about that you wanted to? I have a couple of things and then I might plug EMDR. Have you guys talked about EMDR on here? Let's see. Uh, I think I think very briefly here and there, but not a ton. So you go for it. Explain it. All right. I think that this is the greatest thing ever, and I don't think enough people know about it. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, so basically, they found that with bilateral this for therapy, they found that with bilateral stimulation or dual stimulation, it reduces the vividness of the event and lowers its level of disturbance. And what I mean by that is, you know, the activation you feel, even just thinking about going into a stressful event, this technique can help reduce that. Um, And then the vividness of an incident, that would be like, if you just cannot get something out of your mind, it's completely vivid. Um, This is based off of the theory is that it's kind of like REM sleep where your eyes are going back and forth. They believe that mechanism for whatever reason helps you feel better, which is why we have to say, just sleep on it because you'll wake up and you're going to feel better. So I would encourage you, if you're really thinking about going to therapy, I mean, I think all therapy is great, but you know, consider going to EMDR, uh, somebody who's trained in EMDR, because this is something that it produces really rapid results. It's something, I don't want to put any numbers on it. I'm talking just a handful of sessions can get you to a place that uh, traditional therapy just can't get you to. 
So that would be my key to preparing for the holiday season. Especially if you have like a traumatic, if you have like a traumatic memory about a past holiday season, or you have, like you said, just you're feeling super activated about going into those social situations. That's, that's really what EMDR is, right? It's like, it's like this thought that just is like stuck and like, you just can't, can't like work through it kind of thing. Right. And then for some reason, this bilateral stimulation, which can be done in different ways. There's different ways mm-hmm. to do that. Um, but it also kind of, uh, another plug is you also need to do it with a therapist who you trust. And so it's not like you just walk into a brand new therapist who you've never met and you're like, hey, let's do EMDR for session, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the actual processing is in uh, the fourth out of eight phases. So it, it does take some time to do the uh, we'll say treatment planning part of it. Yeah. 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 And something to throw out there that a lot of people don't know, this was originally developed to work on trauma and PTSD, but it actually works on, we're targeting the core belief. So it practically treats everything. So core beliefs, the most common ones I see, I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable. I'm responsible. I'm defective. There's something wrong with me. So, I mean, we all have negative core beliefs. We all just have different negative core beliefs. So this is going to be something that you don't have to look at it as like, oh, I haven't really experienced a trauma. It can be these little T traumas. It could go back to, um, you know, actually most of these develop in early childhood. So it could be getting picked on on the playground. It really stems all the way back there. So I just want to throw it out there that this isn't just for these major traumas. This is for everybody. And I think that more people really need to know how amazing this stuff is. Totally agree. I'm so glad you talked about that. Um, So yeah, I've heard of it more with like PTSD, but it's really interesting to hear you say it's really just like this core belief thing. It doesn't need to be this like memory or this trauma, like huge, huge big T trauma thing. It can be this just maybe baseline sense of like, I'm not good enough, right? Absolutely. The bilateral stimulation actually activates the problem solving process in your brain. So it's amazing. In the middle of the session, I will witness my client go from I'm unlovable to suddenly they're they're just yeah randomly coming up with, I am okay as I am. I'm, I can, you know, I am lovable and they cannot believe the words coming out of their mouths. So I've had Molly, you need to know that like someone (laughs) hearing you say this is going to think like, she's weird. Like this is, she's, she's woo. She's out there. So do do you want to just address that? Because this is a lot more mainstream and, and it's definitely evidence-based and scientific. Like it's not, you're not just like pulling this out of nowhere, I guess. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I will tell all of my clients, it's weird. I'll totally admit that. That's what all my therapist friends say too. They're like, it's it's weird. (laughs) I had a client look me in the eyes and was like, Molly, did you go to Hogwarts? Like she just could not believe what was coming out of her mouth. So like, are people in sort of like a trance or something? Like, how are they saying stuff that they don't mean to be saying? No, they're not in a trance at all. And it's actually really important that we make sure that we have one foot in the office 
in, in the present and then basically one foot into the memory. Okay. Um, so we're really careful about that. This is not a form of hypnotism or anything. They're all, you know, you're going to be in the room with me. But one of the theories is that it's kind of like uh, exposure therapy in a sense. So it's kind of CBT, even though, again, one of the great things about this is you don't really have to talk that much. I actually even tell clients, okay, what do you notice in 25 words or less? Like, I don't even want to hear all that's going on in your head right now. So, um, yeah, I think I just have to own it. It sounds weird, and I would really encourage you to Google it and to look into, like, what is this EMDR stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I work really closely with a lot of therapists in the area, and most of them are trained in EMDR, and they all talk so similar, similarly to you about it. Like, it's weird it's kind of it i was skeptical and then i got trained in it and it's incredible like the results and the um just the beautiful things that can come from it for people and then i've even had clients who are also seeing emdr therapists who will report back like it was weird but it worked <laughs> you know like it's so, it's a super super cool thing mhm so Molly, this has been a blast. Do you want to, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or make sure to mention? It was nothing really new. I just wanted to review that we, I'm just going to encourage you to practice curiosity and compassion and just breathe and come up with some mantras. Like I've got this, I can do hard things, you know, remind yourself that you're doing your best. This is all temporary. There's nothing you can't handle. And feelings are all, it's just information. That's all it is. I love it. Mm -hmm. So Molly, talk about how people can um, keep in touch with you and follow along with you with the work that you do. I'm pretty much just on Instagram. So if you want to find me at Molly B Counseling, that's where I'm going to do most of my stuff for right now. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have a website or anything too, or just the, just I that? do, but it's, uh, yeah, I haven't really done anything with it besides just, this is how you schedule an appointment with me. It's mollybarcounseling.com. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I've thought about a blog, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. Well, I hear you. It's like, well, why do it if you don't need to? <laughs> <laughs> if you see my posts, you'll understand they're basically blogs. They are. They pretty much are. <laughs> Well, Molly, this has been a joy. You're, you're, I'm so grateful that we were able to talk today and uh, about such an important topic. And I'm hoping that as people kind of think about the things that we've talked about today, I'm hoping that this podcast episode feels like something that you could share with your friends and your family and kind of helping everybody have a really positive, happy uh, time of year. Uh, despite some of its pitfalls and difficulties. Um, ultimately, that's what it's for. We're supposed to be having fun, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you soon for another episode.